Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Gary Martin. Hello, Texas. It is a very cold day in Texas agriculture, but I'm so glad you're joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we'll cover every corner of this chilly state right now, from the cold piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the coldest area of the state, the Panhandle, down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Arctic air blast pushed into South Texas, and that has altered crop planting intentions for a while. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. With all the beef we produce in the Texas High Plains, we kind of think of it as a local product. But we need a big world of customers to keep our beef business strong. I'm James Hunt, and I have some good news on that front coming up on Texas Ag Today. February is American Heart Month. What can you do to decrease your chances of heart disease? I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories along with Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The National Cotton Council has released its annual planting intention survey showing a drop in planted acreage. Jessica Domel reports. U.S. cotton producers intend to plant 11.5 million acres of cotton this spring. That's down 5.2% from 2020, according to National Cotton Council's annual early season planting intention survey. Dr. Jody Campici, vice president of economics and policy analysis, says Texas upland cotton acreage is expected to drop 5.7% to 6.4 million acres. In South Texas, respondents indicate a relatively small decrease of 1.6%. Respondents from the Black lands indicate a decline of 16.2% in cotton acreage, an increase in corn, wheat, and sorghum. In West Texas, respondents indicated a decline of 5.9% in cotton and a slight increase in corn with larger increases in wheat and sorghum. Texas extra long staple cotton production is expected to take a 10.5% drop to 34,000 acres. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cold temperatures have moved in all across the state of Texas, and it's expected to get even colder. That can cause problems for some early planted corn in South Texas. Scott Stanislav is a technical agronomist with DeKalb, Asgro, and Delta Pine. Really the key thing with corn in these cold conditions, the critical temperature, air temperature, to really be looking for is 28 degrees. Uh, If you get below 28 degrees for several hours, that is when we can start actually killing the the seedling, even if it's still below the ground. Stanislav says you should wait three to five days after cold temperatures move out to check for damage. The Arctic blast has put a damper on planting progress that was underway in South Texas. Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the situation in the Corpus Christi area. Harvey Buring is standing by in the coastal bend for our next report. And uh, Harvey, down there in your region of the state, uh, 
the cold weather, the freezing temperatures also are uh, impacting uh, farmers in that area. And what does that uh, mean for the early corn planting? Well, Tom, it's uh, pretty well put it to a halt uh, with uh, the Arctic blast settling in on us for several days here. Uh, corn planters are definitely at a standstill. And with farmers in jackets, they're not interested in putting expensive planting seed in the ground uh, with the outlook of uh, lower soil temperatures for maybe more than a week, uh, lower than optimal for, for germination. So that is at a standstill for this point in time. When's the normal uh, last frost date uh, for your region? Well, that typically runs between the 8th and the 12th of February. And uh, then, of course, uh, planters often rolling prior to that if it's a uh, outlook for some warm weather in the uh, two-week forecast. But uh, that's definitely not the case this year. Meanwhile, the entire region for the farmers looking to plant and the cattle ranchers, they still need some uh, precipitation this winter. Absolutely. Uh, we wrapped up the 2020 year with an 8 to 10 inch deficit. Some areas of the coastal bend, particularly along the coast and up to 20 miles inland, did receive some beneficial rains earlier, but uh, the western part of the coastal bend definitely in need of some moisture. So Harvey, uh, in South Texas, the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo began February 11th, runs through the 28th of February, but uh, this year, uh, just like all other stock shows, there have been uh, changes due to the COVID-19 protocols. That's right, and uh, our hats are off to the livestock management of these major livestock shows, working things out so that our 4-H and FFA members can participate this year. And, of course, San Antonio's had the guilt show behind us now, the poultry show taking place here this weekend, and the breeding sheep and goat show here on Saturday. Next week, move into the cattle show and then the steer show wrapping up things at the conclusion of the show with the barrow show and the steers. So uh, big activities in San Antonio. That is Harvey Buring reporting today for us from Corpus Christi. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We produce a lot of beef here in Texas, but we need a big world of customers to keep that beef business strong. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. The agriculture of the Texas High Plains is very diverse, but there's no question that the beef industry is the nucleus. And there's also no question that exports are very important to our local beef producers. So it's good to hear that coming off of a down year in 2020, USMEF, the U.S. Meat Export Federation, anticipates a really big year this year. We look for actually not only growth in 2021, but we think we'll achieve record levels of beef exports, surpassing the record we set in 2018. That's Joe Sheely of USMEF, who says the 5% decline in U.S. beef export volume last year was largely attributable to COVID-related issues both in our country and abroad. But these days, with our beef industry having bounced back big time, Sheely says the U.S. finds itself in the position of being able to offer very reliable supplies, which is not the case for some competitors, most notably Australia. Their supplies have tightened up a lot as they go into a herd rebuilding mode. That's been going on for a while, but their production and exports are down, and so that really opens up some opportunities in our mainstay markets like Japan and Korea and Taiwan. And you can add to that list China, where Sheely says U.S. beef is establishing a foothold for the first time. We're seeing some really significant volumes 
going to China. And I think the supply chain now has confidence that the beef market in China is open, it's going to stay open, and they're willing to invest in that market the way they haven't been before. Because there still are some unique production requirements. Uh, there are some additional costs to producing for the Chinese market. And it took a while for exporting companies to kind of gain confidence that that market would be a reliable one for them. But I think that confidence is there now. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Feral hogs could cause livestock losses. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And abnormal hooves can cause a lot of problems in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, and FFA students across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm Doster Harper, president of the National FFA Organization, and I'm from the state of Georgia. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Abnormal hooves can cause a lot of problems in horses, especially in the rear hooves. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells why. Dr. Tracy Turner indicated in The Practitioner that biomechanics of the rear hooves can result in lameness in the upper limb. There are only three types of hoof imbalances in the rear hooves, including a broken back hoof pasture and axis, underrun heels, and medial to lateral imbalance, in which the inside and the outside of the hoof wall are different lengths. A broken back hoof pasture and axis with a negative sole angle is the most common abnormality of the rear feet. And this condition is noticeable on x-rays by the back of the coffin bone being lower to the ground than the front of the bone. This conformation causes the horse's hoof to stay on the ground longer than normal during the stride and increases the strain on the deep flexor tendon. This can lead to inflammation called synovitis of the distal tendon sheath, which causes swelling and pain in the area. Another problem that can be caused by a negative sole angle with the back of the coffin bone lower than the front is hock disease, as a negative sole angle is a risk factor for horses needing hock injections. You might think that raising the heels would solve this problem, but this exaggerates heel first landing and increases heel pressure, which can affect the gait. Sometimes rockered shoes used on the rear feet can be helpful. Some of these horses will have almost no heel and the front of the hoof has a bull-nosed appearance with the frog being pushed below the hoof wall. Correct trimming of the foot and taking the horse out of shoes generally is effective. The main point is if your horse has lameness in the rear legs, the hooves could be the cause. This is Texas Fed News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wild hogs leave devastation wherever they go, but one often overlooked factor is the damage they cause to water supplies. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Feral hogs, or wild pigs, can tear up fields, golf courses, and football fields. But one thing that is often overlooked is their impact on water. Dr. John Tomacek, wildlife specialist with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, tells us what happens to creeks and ponds when wild pigs use it as a water source or go through it. 
just by having that contact, you have the opportunity for disease transmission between pigs and livestock and and wildlife. And the thing that's really tricky is if you live in an area where, let's say, water is limited, let's say that water comes from concrete troughs that are drawn off of windmills in the ground, you might actually have a situation where pigs are getting in the trough itself in the summer to cool off, to drink, and then leaving the trough, they often defecate. And so you have a situation where your livestock can be exposed to animal diseases because they're essentially drinking tincture of pig, which is just not a good world to be in. And there are quite a number of of infectious animal diseases that pigs carry and act as a reservoir for reinfecting livestock. And that, I will tell you, is what I have started to call kind of the, the silent killer or the silent pig problem is livestock raisers that are having issues and they don't know where they're coming from may very well be coming from pigs. Wild pigs may also carry diseases that can cause cows to lose their calves. If you're out in bigger country, you just know that your calf crop is really low or your lamb crop is low or your your kid crop is low and you don't know why. And it's because the pigs are out there transmitting diseases to your stock. That was Dr. John Tomachek. We'll have more with him on this issue tomorrow right here on the Texas Wildlife Radio Show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Sunday was Valentine's Day, a time when we think of matters of the heart. But February is also American Heart Month, a time for Texas farmers, ranchers, and rural residents to consider making heart-healthy choices in their lifestyle. Tom Nicoletti has more. This is the time of year when the nation spotlights heart disease, which unfortunately is the number one disease Americans succumb to each year. To talk more about American Heart Month, we have on the program today Dr. James Sharp. He is a physician in Waco. And uh, doctor, thanks for being with us today. And uh, throughout the month of February, the American Heart Association's Heart to Heart, Why Losing One Woman is Too Many campaign uh, is raising awareness about the fact that one in three women are diagnosed with heart disease on an annual basis. What uh, is your thoughts about those uh, statistics? It is true that uh, women age 65 and older, one in three women will have heart disease diagnosed in their lifetime, whereas less than 65 years old, it's one out of nine. There is a period of time when women do develop heart disease about 10 years later than men do. But as we get older, that uh, differential does decrease quite a bit. I think in these days, both the uh, medical professionals and even the patients are more aware that women do frequently suffer from heart disease. There was a time that a 45-year-old woman with chest pain was not actually seriously considered a risk for heart disease where the man would have been. But I think that's probably a 20-year-old phenomenon, at least in the, the medical community I'm familiar with here. And the big thing is we have to get the public more and more familiar with what the risks are. Wellness visits that we get every year, screening for uh, your cholesterol levels, going through the family history to see what sort of medical problems exist genetically. The person's diabetic or hypertensive or overweight or inactive or smoking tobacco. These things all contribute to your risk for heart disease in a woman and in a man. Having the incredible access to the cardiologists like we have here in the United States makes it a lot easier for us to get studies done that that really help differentiate. Is this uh, really heart disease or is this reflux or something like that? So what can men and women do to better uh, increase the chance that they will not have heart disease? What what lifestyle changes uh, should they uh, take up? The Mediterranean diet 
has been studied and has the best evidence for decreasing our risks of heart disease. Not smoking, or if you do smoke, quit smoking. Getting regular exercise, getting out and at least walk 30 minutes a day. Eating a healthy, balanced diet, fruits, vegetables, some meat, and keeping your weight in that ideal range. That is Waco physician, Dr. James Sharp. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There was no trade in the agricultural markets on Monday. Everything was shut down for the President's Day holiday. So we'll take a quick peek back at how things wrapped up on Friday. That's coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Anna Mathis from Arkansas. Because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, the FFA impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, the agricultural markets all closed on Monday because of President's Day, so we'll take a quick peek back at how things wrapped up the week on Friday. It was a strong day for the cattle market. We had triple-digit gains on most of our contracts. February live cattle up $1.87, $117.20. The April up $205, $125.17. June was up $1.77, closing at $121.30. Same thing on the feeder cattle. A strong close for the week. March feeders up $1.70, $140.85. April feeder cattle up $1.35 at $144.72. May feeders up 85 cents at 146.30. Cash fed cattle market was somewhat slow last week. We sold cattle earlier in the week at 114. That's here in the south. Now up north, we saw some prices go as high as 116 on a live basis. Those sales in Iowa dressed sales up north, mostly 180. A few cattle selling as high as 181 on the rail. Boxed beef was mixed on Friday. Choice down 59 cents, 232.37. Select up 64 at 220.93. Well, with all this cold weather, ice, and snow, we probably won't see a lot of activity at the auction barns this week. But we'll check in with Larry Marble. He's got some of last week's results. He's walking the pens. Neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. We had some cattle sales last week, less than we're going to have today because of the weather. Jody Fry was one of the people that had a cattle sale at Producers in Cargill Thursday. Jody, how did yours go? Well, we got by, Larry, uh, on this cold winter day. Unexpected, but we had 1,200 head. Better quality steers, 4 to 600 pounds from 125 up to a high of near 165, mostly 130 to 150. 6 to 800 pound steers, better quality steers, 110 to 145, mostly 120 to 130. Heifer calves, 4 to 600 pounds from 110 to 135, mostly 115 to 130. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding from 50 to 64. Did have several so the highest yielding slaughter cows anywhere from 64 all the way up to a high of 72. Still a few of those thinner and lower yielding cap cows anywhere from 30 to 45. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 72 to 88. Several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 90 all the way up to a high of 101. Red cows and heavy bred two-year-olds had some average to better quality from 650 to 900. Had some choice sets of heavy breads from 950 to 1050. Cow-calf pairs averaged to better quality from 850 to 1050. Had several choice sets of pairs today anywhere from 1200 to a high of 1485. I know sheep and goats sell Tuesday, but uh, what about the Thursday cattle sale? We're on for now. Tell everybody how to contact you. You bet. 325-653-3371. My mobile phone, 234-7895. 
Neighbor, about the time that the rough weather became apparent on Wednesday, sales began to plan to close for this week. San Angelo Benny Cox, his sheep and goat sales cancel for Tuesday. Henry Pickett at Abilene Livestock won't have a sale Tuesday. Atascosa Livestock, Jim Wheeler, his cattle sales cancel for Tuesday. Of course, that's in Pleasanton. And the Tuesday sheep and goat sale at Gillespie Livestock and their Wednesday cattle sale also canceled due to weather. So, neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day. Now let's jump back over to the futures market. Lean hogs wrapped up the week higher on Friday. April up 95 cents at 85.20. May hogs up 72, 87.10. Class 3 milk was lower. February down 3 cents, 15.63 a hundredweight. March milk down 47 at 16.56. Well, the cotton market just never seems to run out of steam. We're making a run to 90 cents on our old crop contracts. A lot of bullishness in the market on Friday, although the grain markets traded somewhat nervously on Friday as we headed into the long three-day weekend, the wheat market seemed to take the lead and move higher. Now, of course, all of this cold ice and snow factoring into the wheat market question is, what is going to be the effect? We don't know that right now, but traders seem to bet on higher prices and the possibility of maybe some damage. July Kansas City wheat up six and a quarter. It wrapped up the week at 625 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up one and three quarters, closing Friday at 630 a bushel. Now I mentioned some nervousness in the grain markets. We saw lower prices in corn with March corn down two and a quarter, 538 and three quarters. September corn down two and a half, 472 and a quarter. December corn down three and three quarters, 448 and three quarters. Let's check the energy markets. Natural gas was higher. March natural gas up 13 cents above the $3 mark now at 304. March crude oil now above $60. It was up $1.39, closing at 60.86 a barrel. The financial markets higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 27 points, 31,458. The S&P 500 up 18 at 3,934. The Nasdaq up 69, 14,095. Well, that's a look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Bundle up, try to stay warm, and come right back here next time. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.